0: What's up Gator Nation welcome to today's episode of the in all kinds of weather forecast Dustin and Casey are both in the car driving so I Neil Shulman am taking the hosting role today we are going to be hearing from both Casey and Dustin as uh as as analysts today but I'm going to be the one facilitating the conversation because I am the one who is able to sit at a computer um and not have to look at the road. Of course, you can follow me at all kinds, weather on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Casey Hampton at Gator underscore ATL on Twitter. And you can follow Dustin on Twitter, our usual host at IAKOW Dustin. And you can follow our podcast on Twitter at IAKOW Forecast. Guys, good morning. Um, we got a Florida victory over USF to talk about today, a victory that Florida fans kind of knew was going to happen, but left some things to be desired, particularly in the quarterback room, again, for the second straight week. Florida went up 35-3 to over USF, kind of took a nap from there, uh, let USF kind of... Do some things on offense the rest of the way. Defense wasn't perfect, but, you know, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson. Debate continues going into week number three and Alabama coming to town next week. A game that I will be at, a game that Dustin will be at. But first, guys, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. And I don't mean Bama. Uh, I guess the better way to put that is we got to talk about the renegade in the room. And that is that fSU has lost to Jacksonville state, and there there are so many things to say as a result of that, but guys i I don't know what what do you think
1: guys fSU can, can you believe it Jacksonville State actually beat fSU i mean i don't i, I just i I'm beside myself and and look i it the game was so bad that I didn't even watch it. I, I, I try to avoid watching FSU when I can. But then when I heard that it happened, I watched the replay, and it wasn't even a, a real Hail Mary. Jackson State ran a legitimate play, a legitimate play, it scored a touchdown at the end of the game. A situation that FSU could not give up. Oh my
0: god! Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a No, no, no. no. You get, no Dustin, Dustin, you gotta remember, Jacksonville State. Don't you dare insult Jackson State. My boy James Houston and the Jackson State Tigers that way. It would have blown State, FSU away. State. because Jackson State would have mauled FSU last you're right, night. You're right, Jacksonville Jackson, State. Jacksonville. Jacksonville State lost to UAB by thirty-one points, and they go to Tallahassee, and they <laughs> win on a play that makes the Tennessee play in two thousand seventeen in the swamp. Yes, well, I, I don't. I, Casey, you're, you're the you're, you're the inherent troll here. You you got to start laughing on air. You got to give us your reaction, man. We've been waiting, and it's go ahead, go ahead. Let's hear it,
2: dearly beloved. We have gathered here today to mourn the loss of Florida State football as we know it. With Mike Norvell and that's with two L's. Mike Norvell with two L's. And I mean and Neil, how many L's did Willie have before him?
0: Well Willie Taggart was five and seven in his first season and the Doles finished six and seven in the second season. He got fired on November second, I think, after losing to Miami twenty-seven to ten. So he was responsible for most of those losses, but yeah,
2: that. <laughs> now I, I, now I have to say, some some wonderful human being uploaded Gene Dickeroff's call uh, a great UF alum uh, who is calling fo- Florida State football games, uh, and he also calls Tampa Bay Bucks games. But you know, he he sounds like a pirate. He, you know, when Gene Dickeroff gets on there, he's like, "Oh, Florida State, Florida State, oh." He said, Oh, the Gamecocks beat the Knolls here in Tallahassee. They're going wild down on the field. I mean, all 35 people that were in Doe Campbell Stadium to witness that. So, you know, for all the jokes that we went through in 2013, losing to Georgia Southern in the second to the last game of the year before we lost Florida State, we knew it was a lost season. We knew it was a lost cause. We knew you know, we, we just knew that this wasn't going to end, right? And that was sort of like kicking somebody when they're down. Florida State took an albeit a very overrated Notre Dame team that was a top 10 team to the wire in overtime and lost the game. Even I was thinking, mm, okay, you know, maybe Norville's got him coming around the corner. And then, ha <laughs> ha!
0: Oh, you want to no. laugh, Casey? No, no, no. Casey, you want, you want to laugh? Hey, let's listen to this. FSU paid Jacksonville State $400,000 to come and beat them in Tallahassee.
2: Now, Neil, I've got a question. Did they pay Jacksonville State more money to go there? Or, did, or is Willie's buyout more than what they're paying him right now?
0: uh willie willie's buyout was more willie, willie's buyout bankrupted them they had to they had to get i think like the 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 co-founder of spanx to like donate 20 million dollars to to pay it uh i mean four hundred thousand dollars is a drop in the bucket for them but this i mean they're also not exactly a program that's made of money and and by the way for those of you wondering why you know, on a Gator pod, we're, we're spending all this time laughing in FSU. Yeah, I mean, it, there is a level of pettiness to that. We're not going to deny that. But let's just take a second, just just one second, to be thankful that, sure, Florida's got problems. The Gators have their issues. We're going to talk about them in no shortage of detail, but it could be worse. It could be we so much worse.
2: We we beat a, a, a albeit bad USF team, but USF is still...
0: A FBS team, B- right? Yeah. It,
2: in their home stadium, whereas you lost at home to Jacksonville State. Now, there's a joy in this, folks, because Jacksonville State—they're Division One, but think about it; they're a lower-level Division One team, just like Georgia Southern was. So, folks, don't ever let a Florida State fan ever, ever bring up Georgia Southern to you again, because. They lost. They played press defense on a fourth and long last play of the game and ended up – and the one Jacksonville State guy juked out two Florida State guys on his way rumbling into the end zone. So, you know, folks, yes, there is a level of pettiness to this, but for all of the crap that we had to take in 2013, hey, 488. It to be a four and Now we can say, well, you got cocked at home. You got cocked. At Wait a home. minute, four and, four eight. and, four dude, and eight. eight, dude.
0: FSU is going to be lucky to go four and eight. Now, uh, I, I mean, like, I well, mean, I'm looking the, at your the, schedule. The only
2: the, the only winnable game I see on that schedule for them is UMass.
0: No, all right, so, so no, so so Syracuse is pretty terrible. Uh, but UMass,
2: Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State. Yes, I, I, but, I, I, I'm, keep I'm trying
0: back. I'm trying. my hardest to be objective here. And the, now we're going to move on and talk about the team that we are supposed to cover, the Gators. Uh, but I'm looking at their schedule right now. UMass is pretty terrible. They'll win that one. Louisville got rolled by Ole Miss. They're pretty bad. Syracuse is pretty bad. I don't think FSU will play as badly as they played against Jacksonville State repeatedly throughout the year. However, I also don't see – a fourth game that they should win. That means that for all those four and eight talks right now, if you're looking at strictly from a Vegas perspective, like the the boys who are paid to do these lines and make these spreads and predict game outcomes objectivity says FSU is going to have a difficult time getting to four and
2: eight. So two, two, two things that I did see from a um, really good friend of mine on Twitter, Florida State fan, um, uh, Joshua Mayer, 13, good guy. He had something out there last night, and it was a really good point if you think about it. At least Willie tried to stop Chauncey Gardner from planting the Florida flag at that Seminole head in midfield. Where was Norvell when they did that last night? Was he in bed? Was he down the street at Guthrie's or Gordo's getting himself a, a meal? He didn't even try to stop a lower-tier division team from planting their flag after they got paid four hundred grand on their field. And, Dustin, I have a question for you. Do you think Jacksonville State has a side cemetery like Florida State? Do you think they took part of Doak home with them to Jacksonville State?
1: If they didn't, that's kind of bad. They probably should. (laughs) Well, Casey, Casey, to to answer uh, the other uh, other point,
0: FSU's entire team couldn't stop one guy with a football. How the hell do you expect them to stop multiple guys with a flag?
2: But at least Willie Taggart had some level of pride in that program, that he wasn't going to allow that. Whereas when that man ran out there with a flag, planted it, danced around it, and where's Mike Norvell? Yeah. I, I, my bet is that he was at Guthrie's down the street. That's my bet.
0: All right, Casey. I see your eulogy, and I raise you a eulogy. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate the life and death of the FSU Georgia Southern jokes. These jokes lived a long but eventful eight-year life on this earth No Florida FSU trash talk battle was ever complete without them. No Seminole fan was capable of waking up without thinking about them. And because the shock value that they initially had quickly died down, they were often forced into spots that they were not naturally welcome. But perhaps that was because FSU fans knew that, like all things in life, they would not live forever. These FSU Georgia Southern jokes, sure enough, have left this earth this past Saturday night. As the clock struck midnight to welcome in Sunday morning, these FSU Georgia Southern jokes died peacefully, and they died the way they lived, with an ear-piercing thud and an accompanying oof as the Seminoles fell deep into the pit of irrelevance. Never once did the Georgia Southern jokes have anything to do with the fact that FSU got righteously choke slammed by Oregon in what still stands today as the most lopsided beating in college football playoff history, or the fact that FSU got kick-sixed by a 3-9 and Georgia Tech team, or lost to a group of five team in a bowl game that same year, or the fact that FSU gave up 63 points and nine touchdowns to Louisville in 2016 or the fact that FSU had to fight tooth and nail to beat Samford, yes, Samford, and went 5-7 and seven and missed a bowl game for the first time in four decades in 2018. No, these Georgia Southern jokes never had anything to do with any of those facts, or the fact that FSU blew a 31-13 third quarter lead and lost to Boise State at home in 2019, or needed a blown extra point to survive Louisiana Monroe in overtime that same year. No, the Georgia Southern jokes never had anything to do with the fact that FSU went three and six in 2020 and lost to Georgia tech at home, a team that is now probably not that far away from firing its head coach. Never did any of these Georgia Southern jokes have anything to do with the fact that FSU has now lost six plus games in four consecutive seasons and are now working on number five, which by the way, Florida has never ever done in its 110 plus years of playing football. And when Florida was blowing FSU out of the stadium, each of the last two times they played, those Georgia Southern jokes had nothing to do with what was happening on those playing fields either. So, Yes, the Georgia Southern jokes have officially died the way that they lived, and that is by being rendered irrelevant. We will all miss them dearly. Well, no, we won't, not really. I just know that's something you say in a eulogy. But anyway, um, let us now conclude this memorial service by opening the book of Jacksonville State, chapter 20, verse 17. And thus the Lord said to the men on the Jacksonville State Gamecock sideline, You shall conquer this land in Tallahassee and claim it as your own by planting the flag of your school on the FSU midfield logo, taunting the Seminole tribe with chops of the tomahawk and celebrating on the field with the chant of war deep into the night. And may we all say, amen. Oh
1: my goodness.
0: Yeah, Dustin, I know you're a preacher, so I figured you'd enjoy that.
1: Neil, just one more thing. We have to mention, at least mention on the podcast, that in Texas's grand welcome to the SEC, (laughs) they got beat by the Arkansas Razorbacks. Badly. Arkansas Razorbacks.
2: (laughs) Welcome
1: Uh, to the SEC. Yeah. Welcome to the SEC, guys. Texas is back, baby. (laughs)
0: Oh, horns down. Man. Another, another yes. good segue into our, our main discussion. Horns, right? down. horns yes. down. Horns down. Horns for down for Texas and horns down for USF, a team that Florida was projected to beat by about 28 and a half, 29 or so, depending on which book you looked at gators were per approximately four touchdown favorites and it looked like they were going to cover that spread with no problem first half went very well for the gators it was 35 to 3 with about seven minutes to go in the second quarter emory jones looked like he was taking steps forward he looked comfortable at times or most times and in that first quarter and a half he was making some good decisions first drive wasn't great but after that he was moving the ball pretty well anthony richardson Took took his turn, destroyed USF's defense with a bomb to Jacob Copeland for 75 yard TD. Um, and then the second half comes around and it's a different story. Emery doesn't look as comfortable. He's locking on to receivers. He throws two really bad interceptions, should have been a third on a play that started from about the was it the the three-yard line, I think, inside the five after after Anthony got them there with a bomb to Copeland and his helmet comes off and Emery has to take over and promptly throws the ball with four Emerald jerseys there and one white jersey behind all four of those Emerald green jerseys. And that's after throwing two bad interceptions that he locked down to the receivers for. And that is the question
2: heading Neil, into Alabama. Neil, Neil on that play. So um, for everybody listening, I'm actually driving back from Tampa right now. So if you're hearing background noise, that's why. But I looked at that. Emery Jones has zero vision. And in, in, in that particular play, I knew exactly where he was going because you can watch his eyes, where they were going. And th- like Neil said, there were four Emerald jerseys. But he sat there and held the ball for five seconds. I counted, one, 1,000. 2-1,000, 3-1,000, 4-1,000, 5-1,000. He had that much time. So props to the O-line for giving him time to do that. But he so grossly underthrew it. it, it I just, I, I don't understand what he saw in that play. It, that, that was, I was eight rows up from the field. I don't know what he saw in that. There is absolutely zero vision at times with Emory Jones. But then there are other times that he will drop an absolute dime. And it's so frustrating because if you could put the two together, you would have an above-average quarterback. But well, the yeah. way that it is now, I don't know if he would I, – I, you know, there was a conversation yesterday. Where would Emory Jones start in the SEC? I said Tennessee just because – well, Tennessee.
0: And Vanderbilt –
2: but yeah. yeah, but I mean, would he start at a place like Kentucky? Even would he start at a place like Arkansas or South Carolina?
0: South Carolina would he start yes. at a mid
2: tier, a mid tier SEC. I'm not talking bottom of the barrel like Tennessee, Vanderbilt. I'm talking, would he start at a mid tier SEC school?
0: All right, come on, he started South Carolina. They're they're pretty bad. They they barely survived against ECU. But that, uh, I, I, but okay. start, I, I, I understand the Kentucky? point. I understand the point. Would he start at a at a middle of the pack level team in the SEC? And he does some good things, like we've we've talked about on last week's pod. But we're we're, we're getting to the point now where like the games are going to matter. The preseason's done. We're done with the games that Florida's favored to win by four touchdowns. The games that Florida's going to start playing now. Forget Alabama. Like games, even like Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee those games are going to be fairly congruent in terms of the talent level. I mean, Florida should still beat teams like Kentucky. They're more talented across the board, but not by as much as they were against USF. And Jones can't do that. So Dustin, um, you know, your your turn. Tell me, you're the former quarterback in high school. So what did you see from Emory Jones that both made you – pleased and, and gave you promise and irritated you and made you
1: think that this isn't, this isn't going to happen. It was such a vast inconsistency between the first half and the second half. And Neil, you and I were texting back and forth during the, the first half and Embry looked great. And in many ways, we felt his campaign to be the, the starting quarterback um, came back from the dead in the first half. I mean, he was making the right reads. His timing was right, and we'll, we'll get to that in a few seconds. But he he was doing an excellent job. On top of that, his his running ability uh, really was showcased in that first half. I absolutely loved. I believe it was a forty-one yard touchdown run by him, or, or no thirty. It was a thirty-three yard touchdown run. His pass to uh, to I believe his touchdown pass was to Henderson, right? Which uh, or one? Copeland, he had a he had a thirty five yard touchdown pass to um, Henderson. I'm just looking at the uh, the oh, box yeah. score right here. Um, and it was great, but when 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 um the end of the first half rolled around, and then the second half rolled around, he just could not he could not move through his progressions quick enough, and on both of his interceptions. He moved way too slowly, and while that particular guy was open a few seconds before the throw, the passing lane quickly closed up, and both of those poorly timed throws ended up in an interception. And this was something I actually did not expect from Emory Jones because coming into the season, the biggest concern was that he wouldn't be able to put touch on the ball it seems like now he's now putting so much touch in the ball that he's not able to compensate for um, his slow mechanics or his slow uh, decision-making uh, with a quickly thrown ball. You know, in high school, you, you can compensate for, for slow decision-making with a quickly thrown ball um, because you're just you're playing a different level of, of defense. You can't do that in the SEC. You have to provide a passing lane. You have to throw your receivers open. And in the, like I said, in the in the first half, he did that pretty well. Um, let me just say this real quick. It all came down to five plays, okay? Five plays were awful on the part of Emory Jones, and two plays were awful on the part of uh, wide receivers. Um, obviously, the two interceptions, you mentioned the third play, which was the, uh, the goal line play, second down. Um, Emory Jones ne- needed to just – uh, carried the ball on that one um, there 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 should have been a I, based on the tape um, you know we, we didn 't really get a field level cam from that, so it 's hard to say specifically, but he he should have just taken off and ran the ball in that play because there was nobody open. There is no reason why you need to force the ball into the corner of the end zone, but something that that hasn 't been mentioned yet, I want to see more from our receivers. Emery Jones threw a perfect ball to justin shorter in at the end of the at the at toward the end of the first half if that, that ball was the completed diamond. that
2: that, that it, was the perfect
1: is perfect is perfect okay that throw was was similar to the the kind of throw that Kyle Trask threw to shorter last year in Arkansas in the Arkansas game so we know we know Justin Shorter can catch that okay so so, so for as much as we're we're pointing out that um, that Embry Jones is having issues, we got to look at the at the receivers as well. Now the receivers definitely played better in this game, especially Copeland and Xavier Henderson. I mean, those two guys are ballers. They're they're ridiculous. Okay, that needs to be your wide receiver one, wide receiver two, right there. You know, and then not to mention Rick Wells. Rick Wells had an opportunity. It, it was a it was a more difficult. Um, catch than, than the Justin Shorter one, and he did. He, they should, he should have, have caught it, it though. I
0: mean, it, it's it, yeah. it would have taken a great catch. But if you're a, a receiver for the Florida Gators in the SEC and you want to win championships, you got to catch that.
1: You have to fourth and it's fourth down. Yeah, you you've got to do that because against Alabama, I guarantee you, against Alabama, we're gonna have to convert fourth downs,
0: and we're gonna have we smaller to win windows again. like that. And it's we're not going to have of coverages like Jacob Copeland got with 15 yards of separation. and And really, that's kind of what really has me spooked about Emory Jones moving forward. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll make no shortage of references to this. Emory Jones is a great kid. Everyone wants to see him do well. No one, I don't think, at least the people that I know, no one is making this a personal thing. Emery has bided his time. He has been patient. He has been loyal. He has been a great Gator. He has been a great Gator. Everyone wants him to do well, but the game of football doesn't really care about that. The game of football is won by who the better player is and which team's players make more plays than the other one. And, I mean, Anthony Richardson – Granted, we're, you know, against busted coverages, which I'm gonna talk about in a second, but Anthony Richardson has done the better job as the Gators quarterback than Emory Jones has. It's it's not really that close, honestly. And here's the thing that has me spooked about Emory Jones. USF's defense is mostly comprised of of two or three stars. And it's a fairly simple defensive scheme that they run. I mean, occasionally they did a stunt here or there. They didn't really disguise too many coverages or blitz packages or whatever. They, they were pretty straightforward because, I mean, granted, with that kind of personnel, you kind of can't. Emory Jones threw a ball into quadruple coverage against that defense. What's going to happen against a defense that's littered with five stars like Alabama's is or Georgia's? The game, let's face it, Alabama is a huge game. Georgia is the one that really matters, so let's use them. What's going to happen if Emory Jones does things he shouldn't do against that defense? Because that defense is going to bait him. Into making mistakes. USF's defense isn't good enough. It's not talented enough. It's not schematically advanced enough. USF's defense wasn't good enough to trick Jones to disguise stuff and to fool him into making mistakes. He just made them on his own. What's gonna happen when Emory Jones faces the defense that will actively bait him into mistakes? Like, and that's just terrifying to think about. Yes, he could grow, he could improve. It's possible, but again, he's going to have to because he's going to be going up against defenses that are a lot better than FAU and USF. These were Florida's gimme games. These were Florida's payday opponents. I mean, USF wasn't it because it was a two-for-one, but I mean, these are the opponents that Florida had first and second on its schedule for a reason, and he was making decisions like that against those teams? and. It, again, love Emory Jones. I love Emory Jones. I really want to see him succeed. But the more of that I see, speaking objectively, the harder it becomes to truly believe that it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Casey, I, I know you're, you're driving, so it's, it's kind of harder. I think we have you in a better reception area right now. So go ahead. W- what was it you were trying to say before that uh, you weren't able to say because of the reception? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you know, watching Emery Jones in the first half, I, I, I will dive, divert a little bit from Dustin. I was not as impressed with him in the first half. Yeah, he was better, but, you know, I, I, I better is a relative term comparing it to what. Um, you know, I I think Anthony – well, I mean, we'll get to that, but Anthony Richardson – hopefully is not injured um, long-term, but he needs to be the starting quarterback. You know, watching Emory go through his progressions um, and watching Emory go through the basic fundamentals of quarterback play, right? Shout out to the offensive line yesterday. I mean, that was as... It, it, I realize that USF is not a good team. I get that. But USF yesterday could not get through to the quarterback for a good amount of time. But there was a play where Emory Jones sat there and waited. He went through his progressions then acted like he was handing off the ball and just being very cavalier with it. And then he threw it in the flat and still got the first down to Damian Pierce. But why do you need to go through all of that where you're going through your progressions, debating if you want to run, then faking a handoff four seconds into the play and then just dumping it off in the flat and pierce. I I just don't know if he's got the acumen to be a quarterback with the expectations that we have at the University of Florida. And what really sealed it for me, what sealed it for me was when Richardson had a beautiful pass downfield. We end up first in goal. On the yep. USF five-yard yep.
1: line. Yep. Then
2: yep. Emery Jones comes in, stalls the drive. And doesn't just stall like, the oh, drive, oh,
0: Casey. Casey doesn't just stall the drive. There's a play where there's four green jerseys in the corner of the end zone and one and, uh, gator. And that was, and that, that that was, that was that my what
2: I'm That's what I'm saying. He stalled the drive in that the cohesiveness, the uh, momentum, and the ability – to be able to orchestrate a drive and get your team behind you and have everybody on the same page. I looked at you know some Gator fans that were next to me yesterday, and I said, you know, the team looks more cohesive, more together, more energized behind Anthony Richardson than they do Emory Jones. And I realized there's an Emory hive out there that Emory Jones can throw six interceptions and they would still say he's our quarterback. My question to them is, for the people that are in the Emory Jones Hive out there, he's been in the system for three years. Granted, you know, he, I think he's only had two starts, um, but he has been studying this playbook. He has been in this system. He has been at practice. He has worked with Coach Mullen and uh, Coach Gonzalez.
0: Yeah, I look.
2: Why? Why are we not at a higher, better, more advanced level than where we are?
0: Look, I, I get it, Casey. I, I do, and and I, I'm the guy that's been you know in Jones's corner since he signed in December of 2017. I, I I love the guy. You know, I I can speak in great lengths about what a great guy he is. Uh, I mean, the, the Gator good game in 2019. Um, I mean, there there were a group of players, Marco Wilson happened to be one of them. I know he's one that Gator fans kind of see as a villain, but he was in that group. Um, Emery was there too. Uh, Jaden Hill, a bunch of guys were, were yelling at them like, "Hey guys, we got to go to a dinner." And the players, including Emery, were like, "No, guys, no, 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 no. We we got to sign autographs for these kids. Like, the the, the their friends or, or relatives or whatever were mad at them. They were getting legitimately angry. Like, we're going to miss our reservation. Emery's like, "No, we got to sign these autographs for these kids. Like, they came all the way out here to support us. We got to sign autographs. Look, that's a great kid. That that's a great kid." He bleeds orange and blue. He's put his time in. He sat for three years. He had multiple opportunities to transfer. We could not have blamed him if he did, being objective here. It would have made perfect sense if he transferred out, but he didn't because he wanted to be Dan Mullen's quarterback the way he texted him, I want to be your quarterback, back when he signed in 2017. But <sighs> tape is the tape, man. Tape doesn't you know, lie, and, and, it, and it, I, I, it sucks, but it is what it is, and, and you can't make it something it's not.
2: Well, and I do want to add that there were – the section I was sitting in, Emery Jones' mother was sitting in that section. And there were some Gator fans that made it personal. And, y'all, A, we need to do better because we don't know – we don't know these players that we're talking about personally. I mean, I certainly don't. I don't know Emery Jones, personally. I don't know anybody currently on the University of Florida football team personally, Neil May, Justin I don't know, but just as a PSA, you know, watch what you say when you're there. Um, or you know, online, we can
0: critique or or on the internet, all day long.
2: And that's well, yeah, we can critique play all day long, and I did that without insulting Emory Jones as a person, right? These are young adolescents. I'm not going to call them kids because they're over eighteen, but these are young adolescents, and they are wearing the weight of the world on them. So when you're at a football game, be careful and cognizant of what you say. Um, you know, we can say, hey, that was a crap play. That was an awful play. Go, what are you doing at practice, right? We can do that. But when it turns into this kid's mother is probably crying somewhere because he's so crappy down there on the field. And his mother is actually sitting there crying because of what we were saying about her kid. So, yeah, that's I mean, just a PSA. Yeah. I realize we're off the rails a little bit there, but, you know, for the Gators that do go to the games, be cognizant of what comes out of your mouth. Um, but back back on track, Emery, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But he nice is. Guys, I, I know he is. Nice,
0: I'm telling you he is.
2: Nice guys don't always finish first. And nice guys do do not get the benefit of the doubt of, should this guy be our quarterback? You know, right? Felipe Franks. I don't know Felipe Franks. I'm sure he's an okay guy. But Kyle Trask did not get his chance to start until Felipe got injured. And then we saw what Kyle Trask was made of. So just because you're nice does not mean – yeah that you're the best on the field, and uh, there it, were two quarterbacks yesterday. my last point here my, my 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 last point here Dan Mullen is at a crossroads I'm not saying i want to fire Dan Mullen, but Dan Mullen kept Todd Grantham last year after that monkey poop fighting circus that was our defense last year, and now he's staying loyal to Emory Joe. When does that and I want to throw this question back to you two and then you know Dustin or Neil you can make your point when does loyalty have a cost and a price when it comes to where we are with our coach he's loyal he is completely loyal to his team but when does that turn into when exactly does that turn into a problem
0: I'll I'll give you I'll give you the quick answer and maybe Dustin can elaborate on it a little bit. But the quick answer to that is when it becomes obvious that another coach that Florida could get, meaning not Nick Saban, not Davos Sweeney, when it becomes obvious that there's another coach out there that Florida could get that would not do that and would not hinder the program in such a way. That's that's the quick answer, Dustin. What do you
1: think? First off, I just say that I agree with you Neil um, I think I think we need to be realistic with, with the potential coaches because you know if you, if you fire one coach you got you gotta hire another one right um, on top of that Dan Mullen is one of the highest paid coaches in the country so I don't think necessarily the issue can be solved with Dan Mullen. I think the issue uh, for, for lack of a better term I think the issue just kind of has to work itself out. And I think it's something that we just kind of have to deal with because for all of the, for all of the shortcomings that, that we see with Dan Mullen as far as his personnel decisions, the guy is brilliant, okay? And if Coach Mullen is going to go with a subpar quarterback over a generational talent, then I have more faith that he'll come up with a game plan to work for that subpar talent over the generational talent um, I, I have confidence that he'll come up with that game plan over any other coach in the nation. See, if Nick Saban was in this, well, in this Dutton, opportunity, Dutton, I... real, real quick, if Nick Saban was in this opportunity, you know he would be starting Anthony Richardson. We saw it, okay? Um, we saw when Tua came in, he, he came in as a backup, and he made plays and, and solidified why uh, – why? Why he, he got the, he got the, the championship game when it counted most, and he threw the game winning touchdown pass against Georgia.
0: Second and twenty six. Always yep. funny. Um, guys, we do have to call the show quickly. So let's move on to the final word. We're gonna be real quick with this. We're gonna go play of the game, player of the game, grades for offense, defense, special teams, and coaches, and a quick grade from zero to one hundred. Play of the game, Dustin. You first.
1: So my play of the game would have to be the Anthony Richardson 80-yard touchdown run in um, a game that was otherwise – that just completely took a halt. Um, I know, of course, Anthony Richardson also had that really good pass earlier in the in the second half, but the game completely came to a halt. And USF had had been scoring, and the Gators did not look good. Anthony Richardson came into that – Uh, play. He made a great run, scored the touchdown, and even more consequentially um, at the tail end of that run, he did end up hurting his hamstring. So I consider that to be the play of the game on multiple fronts, both on a great front, great touchdown, great uh, game-changing play, but also um, that play could very well be the bane of Florida's existence moving into game week versus Alabama. All right, Casey, how about you?
2: Uh, you know, I, I, the play of the game obviously was what Destin mentioned, but um, for the sake of not piggybacking off of that and trying to give a different perspective. Um, I don't, I'm going to say it was midway through the second quarter. Jeremiah Moon, we have been waiting for him to emerge. He had a sack on the USF quarterback that, <laughs> going back and re it this morning, the USF quarterback went ass over teacups because he didn't see Jeremiah Moon coming. And Jeremiah Moon locked that man down when they had gotten two first downs, they're driving down the field, and that put a halt on that drive. Um, and Jeremiah Moon, I mean, that I, I'll move into it. And, Neil, I'm sure you have a play of the game, but, um, you know, not, I, I, I was really impressed with that. Um, with that defensive play, And shout out to the offensive line. Again, great day yesterday. Um,
1: they're really coming along.
2: So.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, my play of the game is going to be the bomb from Richardson to Jacob Copeland's granted busted coverage, but it was at that point that made it 14 to three in the first quarter that whatever semblance of doubt as to the game's outcome was eradicated. So, uh, yep, that was my play of the game. Keep to keep it very simple. Um, on to the player of the game. We all agree it's AR-15, I'm, I'm sure. Um, let's pick a defensive player of the game. Who do we think that is?
2: No, I'm going to say Moon. Um, I, I You know, we've been waiting for him um, to emerge. We've been waiting for him to be the player that we expected when we recruited him several years ago. Um, and he's sort of always been the great mystery, right? You, you know, I would say um, either Vogel, Elam, or Ventrell Miller is – you know, the leader of, of that defense. But I was really impressed with Jeremiah Moon yesterday. I, I thought he had a good day. Um, you know, he had several hurries um, and he had a part and a lot of tackles yesterday and he wrapped up, um, which is something that we've had issues with over the past few years. So I'm going to go with Moon. But Dustin? Say you, Dustin.
1: I'm going to go with Chris Bogle. He had a, uh... Six tackles and one tackle for loss, and you know I, I think he's he's uh, definitely come out of his shell. He's he's improved mightily from last year, and I'm excited to continue to see him in that in that buck position.
0: Okay, fair enough. I'm going to say, Mr. Zach Carter. Um, he had a very good game on his quasi home turf. He didn't completely shut USF down. Uh, I mean, the rest of his teammates kind of helped him take care of that. He had a pretty good game. He had a sack, had another TFL. Uh, good for you, Zach. I know you've always dreamed of playing in that stadium, and you showed out with a nice game there. So good for you there. Offense, defense, special teams, and coaches, I'll go first. Offense gets a solid B-. minus. Uh, Emery was great in the first half, I thought. Second half, no. But AR was elite throughout the game as we all know so overall i'd say the offense moved the ball at will granted against usf but pretty good b minus defense gets about a b they had a couple of drives where they just looked like a sieve and usf ran the ball down their throats the rest of the game they were pretty good granted again this is against usf but nonetheless they, they, they they you know the game was never in doubt because of their defense so B for them. Special teams, Jeremy Crawshaw with a boomer of a punt. Uh, unfortunately, they also gave up a huge return to Xavier Weaver, someone that, that Dustin actually pointed out was the closest thing to an X Factor that they had on their team. And that kind of ruined the grade for me on special teams. That can't happen. You gotta bring them down. Uh, so that that dropped the grade to about a C for me. Um coaching. Oh God, I, I'm an, I'm just going to say, aci don't want to be any crueler than that. Uh, but it's becoming very obvious who the starting quarterback should be for the Gators. And the fact that he did not get most of the snaps yesterday, was, he's going to really hurt that grade. So zero to hundred grade, I'll say it's a 75, another solid C. It's a passing grade, nothing to get super excited about, but you know, check the box. They did get the win. So you know, you can't, can't fail them. Um, but, yeah, my grades. Dustin, how about you?
1: So, for offense, like in, in grade school when you did a group project and you, and, you got gr- and each student got a specific grade, I'm going to give the offense when Emory was on the field of the grade and the offense when, when AR-15 was on the field of the grade. For Emory, he gets a C-. minus. Good first half, not so good second half. AR-15, perfection. 100% A. I don't know what the heck Dan Mullen was talking about in his press conference about mistakes and grading out the film. His play was perfect. I couldn't find any issues. Defense, B minus. Special teams, B minus. And then coaching, as, as long as Dan Mullen is going to continue to keep uh, AR off the field and in a more productive role, um, he's, he's going to continue to default get a D. At maximum,
0: Jesus. so he's
1: getting a solid D overall. Because of that D, it's bringing down the total grade down to about a seventy-one.
2: Okay, wow,
1: Casey, how yeah. about you?
2: Offense B, defense B minus, special teams B minus, coaching C minus. Um, I really am starting to have a concern that Dan Mullen's loyalty is going to keep Florida. A great program, but not an elite program. Um, it was
1: very obvious,
2: like Neil said, who the starting quarterback was going to be. Yet, after he threw an interception to four green jerseys, Dan Mullen tried them back out there. I get that you want to keep his confidence, but then after the second interception, I have a concern that if this is looking like this against inferior, and that's that's not a fight at usf or fau but against inferior lower tier opponents what's going to happen this weekend again
0: all right guys that is all we've got for you today on this episode of the in all kinds of weather forecast we hope you enjoyed the show if you did please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on itunes definitely would appreciate that before we go gotta shout out our sponsors of course, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and they'll deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose them. One is it's a veteran owned business particularly around this time of year around 9-11 cannot think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them your business and two it's run by a florida gator fan so not only do they do great work but they do great work and they're owned by a florida gator fan who happens to be a u.s veteran to learn more about their services and rates go to stingraybranding.com that is stingraybranding.com and of course we are also proudly partnered with the gator good foundation a nonprofit organization that in about a week and a half from now, will be bringing a very special individual named Ontario Jones and his wife to the swamp for the first time ever. Ontario himself is also a veteran speaking of veteran owned business and stingray branding um, who has a rare eye condition that is going to, unfortunately at some point very soon, take away his eyesight. And as a diehard Gator fan, he has always wanted to see the Gators play just once in the swamp, growing up in Oklahoma, being on tour, not really that easy to do for him throughout his life. So the Gator Good Foundation is making that happen for him against the Tennessee volunteers under the lights in the swamp next Saturday night. Um, if you would like to donate to our cause to help us with next year's fun, we're all set to go this year, so that's all taken care of, but we do this every year. So to donate to our cause and help us get a kickstart on next year's campaign, please go to GatorGoodFoundation.com and click on the donate button there to do so. Of course, you'll also want to be following their social handles at the GatorGood on Twitter, at GatorGoodFoundation on instagram and the gator good foundation on facebook and with that taken care of i think there's only one more thing left to do on this show dustin you got anything to say before we call it a show
1: it's game week time we're headed to alabama well alabama's head to the swamp i gotta say this put this in the show go gators all right go gators